Welcome back to the Maluli Asset Management Podcast. This is episode number 233. This is Tim Maluli, and with me today is Tom Maluli. Hello, everyone. Uh, so we have a couple articles that we wanted to talk to you about. Tom, why don't you dive right in? So the first one that caught our attention was Amazon and other retail stocks typically beat the market during Black Friday week. But how do we answer this? Because there is no more Toys R Us. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, that's one competitor that they, they can't beat anymore. I just don't, you know, I was talking with some... I actually, didn't, isn't Toys R Us coming back, though? Yeah, sure. Jeff, Jeffrey's being reincarnated as a pelican yeah. this time. I don't know. <laughs> I was talking with friends of ours over the weekend, and some of them were gearing up for some big Black Friday sales. And I said, what's the point of Black Friday if there's no Toys R Us? So if you go to... Well, you can't go to the Amazon store because there's there isn't any, or they're starting to open up retail stores. But you know, if you're going to Walmart, first of all, you're going to be stampeded by right. somebody looking for a free TV. Right. Uh, and if you go to uh, Walmart or Target or you know, gosh, um, Costco, there's one aisle, one aisle in each of these places for for toys. Right. That's the whole point of Black Friday. It's kind of gotten lost over the years, I guess. I don't understand it. I, I think the whole idea of Black Friday, Cyber Monday, this is all lost. If you don't order your stuff by December 17th, 18th, whatever it is, like a week before Christmas, you're not getting it. Every year it starts earlier and earlier. I see. I saw a commercial yesterday that said Target's open at, I think, 5 o'clock on Thursday for Black Friday. Well, Black Friday is now just more of a concept as opposed to a 24-hour period of time. So I guess this is <laughs> gravy-colored uh, Thursday because it's yeah. going to open after the Thanksgiving turkey's gone right. at 5 o'clock, but before the Dallas football game at 8 o'clock. Right. Getting back to the point in the article, too, I mean, they're talking about how Amazon and other retail stocks typically beat the market during Black Friday week. So technically, we're recording this on Monday of Black Friday week. So this is really for day traders and short-term investors. But, I mean, we're recording this on Monday after the market's closed. So you already missed out on 20% of the week that and you a, could get your outperformance for. <laughs> actually, 25% because there's no market on Friday. So there's only four Very sessions true. today. And Friday it will be a half of a day. Right. So market will close at probably one o'clock right. uh, that day. Yeah. You hear every year what you get towards the holiday season and these retail stocks in Amazon. You hear about the narrative that well, Amazon's going to crush these retailers. They're, they're toast. They're not, they're not making money anymore like they had a bad retail season. You've been hearing about that for, what, what like five years, five, six years now? Like it's I, not I've, instant. I've heard it for over 30 years. Right. So every all of these retailers really struggle throughout the year. They want to make all their money, or 50% of it at least, in these last four weeks of the year going into Christmas. It, yeah. is, it is their opportunity to make money. Everyone thinks that Amazon is going to just completely destroy all of these companies and any industry that they go into. And they'll change it, definitely, but it's not going to be as instantaneous as people think. You know, it's going to take a long time for them to completely like eliminate the need for other companies. I heard, if a, at all, I heard a bit on um, 
I was doing far too much leaf raking uh, this weekend, <laughs> and so I listened to like 19 podcasts, uh, and I heard someone say that online commerce, online e-commerce, is still only about 18 percent of all the commerce retail sales that we have. So we're still it's not even one fifth of all of the business, but. People are just throwing in the towel. Yeah. And it's, it's over. It's a growing phenomenon. That's no question about it. But in the larger scheme of of all commerce out there, not I, even not I, even close to a majority. Yeah, I, I think people are taking this to an extreme. Yeah. I, I don't think all of the all the malls in New Jersey we own the we own the patent on malls in you know on a highway right. in the state of New Jersey. Because if you drive down any there's highway, one. there's one. Hey, there, wait, block. there's another one. Yeah. Hey, wait, wait, there's another one. Yep. So, uh, and they all have Starbucks and they all have uh, Barnes & Noble. There's actually a Barnes & Noble that's going to close. I, I don't understand that. They could just sell coffee in there. Yeah. People just hanging out reading books. But I, I don't think that idea of the malls as a business is going to go away tomorrow. Right. It's I, not an overnight thing. No. Even with all of the retail footage now that's going to be open with Sears closing so many locations. Right. It, in, interesting question came up uh, the other night at dinner. Uh, someone asked, so is Sears just going to close? There really is no answer. I mean, Toys R Us went into bankruptcy a couple of years ago, but they didn't actually, they, they reemerged. Then they went into bankruptcy again. Companies can stay afloat. They can shrink in terms of their size. But they can um, they can stay afloat for a while. So Sears may hang around a little longer as a much much smaller retailer. We don't know, right? I mean, there may be a couple of these. You know, they may get down from four hundred to forty locations, and then after Christmas, just kind of pull the plug. Yeah. Or they may just you know pull the plug next week. So the main word that you're looking for when you're reading these stories about companies going into bankruptcy is the word liquidation. Liquidation is it's it's over. We're, it. Yeah, we're pulling the plug on the life support. It's it's we are closing for good and we are not coming back. We're selling everything, including like everything down to the studs. Right. You know, so liquidation really is the word that you're looking for. Yeah. Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast. A couple articles here that are holiday-themed, I guess you could say. The popular conversation at the Thanksgiving table last year for a lot of people was Bitcoin. This time last year was the Bitcoin craze. Everybody it's hard to remember going, that. Right. That was just a year ago. <sighs> That's insane. <laughs> it is insane. But that seemed to be the popular topic for a lot of people. Should we buy Bitcoin? Should we get in on this? It's crazy. Uh, there was an article on CNBC this morning talking about how Bitcoin dropped 9% below 5,000. Now, during the Bitcoin craze of last year, it got up to almost 20,000. But wasn't like, this wasn't this thing like five or six thousand dollars a year ago? Right. It's pretty much come full circle. You know, you could be in some hot water with some relatives if you told them, gave them a, a Bitcoin tip at Thanksgiving last year. Because, <laughs> <laughs> laughable. Right. Odds are they, depending on when they bought it, 
you know, they're they're probably down a significant amount. So. Please please open your dictionary and go to the word parabola. Right. To see what this has done in the last 12 months yeah. and how it's gone from 5,000 to 19,000 and change back to where it was. 12 months, that's all it took. Right. So just a word to the wise. I don't know. It, it, took, Sears, it took Sears 90 years to do that. Yeah. There's probably uh, some other hot stock tip or you know, maybe it's... You know, marijuana, marijuana stocks this we year. We hit that the, at the same time. Yeah, they're the they're the new craze this year. Maybe learn your lesson from last year and and be hesitant as to who you take advice from or, or information from when it comes to investing in some of these speculative things that you probably don't fully understand. There's a lot that still needs to be parsed out when it comes to things like Bitcoin. There are some people out there that say that say. There is absolutely no business use for Bitcoin. I read that this morning. And others saying that, hey, we may find some great uses for this, but it's down the road. It's right. in the future. Totally unrelated to this, but same kind of uh, frenzy. It was almost 20 years ago how um, people were talking about companies that could do gene mapping, where you could actually like get your DNA... And you could map out everything there is to know in your DNA, and it would take several months and several thousand dollars, and there was actually no retail component of this. Like, people couldn't use this. Like, police departments, the right. FBI could use this. Nations could, could do this. Now, last night during the football game, there was a commercial for 23andMe. You, right. can, you can do this thing for 50 bucks and get an answer in, like, two hours. Yeah. I don't know if it's real or not. Yeah. You're Ethiopian. Did you know that? I I did not. I doubt it as well. But <laughs> but it's a it's amazing to see those DNA gene mapping kind of stocks. I know a few names, but I'm not going to say because I don't want to appear that we're even recommending anything. We're not. But there was one stock in particular that went from four dollars in October of '99. Six months later, it was trading at two hundred and seventy-one dollars a share, from four to two seventy-one. And back to four. Things with that kind of trajectory, just most cases, uh, it's usually too good to be true. If you can get in on the way up and get out right when it peaks, good for you. But sometimes it, it pays to be skeptical, I guess. Question for you. How much money does it take for a person to be considered in the top 50% of people worldwide? World, in terms of worth. Worldwide. Yes. To be in the top 50%? Uh, $100,000. Think lower. Surprisingly lower. This right. could take a while, so okay. I'll just give you the yeah. answer. Just $4,210 to your name leaves you better off than half of the people around the world. $4,210. Wow. The median income net worth for people in the U.S. alone is almost $100,000, like what right. you said. Right. I don't know. For me, that I saw that on CNBC today, and kind of going along with Thanksgiving and being grateful, it kind of just puts things in perspective. You know, there are so many people out there around the world that have literally no money at all if or nothing. nothing. Right. You know, $4,000 to people here in America is, they spend that in a month. Car insurance. A couple, couple weeks. Yeah. Like, I don't know, those are your property taxes, depending on where you live in the country. I mean, to get to the one 
1% level, you have to have a net worth of $871,320. So you have to have a net worth. Right. This is something that, believe it or not, we still have to educate people when they come into the office. They're like, well, my house is worth six hundred and fifty grand." Yeah. And we're like, okay, how much do you owe on that? Oh, uh, you want that too? Six hundred grand. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your net worth? Net. <laughs> right. Net. That's a net figure. Net is a key, key word there. Right. Um, but yeah, just kind of an eye-popping number, at least to me, you know, just $4,000 means you're better off than half of the people in the world. Just something to keep in mind we, coming up towards the holiday season. You know, be grateful. We live in a very advanced society here in the United States. Think about this. You're probably listening to this on an iPhone with right. earbuds. Yeah. You know. That alone right there is yeah. almost $1,000. Right. There was an article in Forbes, and the, the, the title was, Why You Would Not Have Invested with Warren Buffett. Okay, before we even get to that, right. I put on a, uh, a small seminar uh, for our parish uh, last week to talk about estate planning. I got a lot of really good topics to discuss during the Q&A period from Forbes. We used to get Forbes magazine delivered yeah. all the time. And I was like, you know, I should probably think about resubscribing to this. So I spent like an hour on their website this weekend looking for how do I like get a subscription to the Forbes website? There is no subscription. It's all free. Well, you have to allow the ads. Right. So if you have an ad blocker, you're immediately getting blocked. There's just no chance you're going to get in there. Right. But holy cow, uh, I would encourage people to allow the the ad the ads to. If you're not using ad blocker, you may want to think about that. I but, I don't use ad blocker, uh, so that's why I look at Forbes and great. To resource. be honest, I pick a lot of these headlines that we talk about in these episodes, and I find a good majority of them on Forbes. Yeah. So if you're looking for thought-provoking articles in, in terms of money and investing and personal finance, stuff like that, Forbes is a really good place to look. Very good. So the article that I found on Forbes was about why you would not have invested with Warren Buffett. And so Brendan of, and I actually talked a, a little bit about this in our in the very last podcast, 232, in the sense that there was little to no compounding going on the, the first 20 years. Right. Think about all these hedge funds where people pull the plug on them after two years. Oh, we didn't make any money. We're out. We yeah. want our money back. The point of the article pretty much was, you know, his way of investing and it was unconventional. No one would and, go for it even today. Right. For me, the takeaway was pretty much, you know, it, looking in hindsight, it's, it's yeah, of course I'd invest. With, it's, it's Warren Buffett. Yeah. But at the time, Warren Buffett wasn't Warren Buffett. He was just another investor. Right. To say it kind of brings up that point that people always say, like, oh, well, if you just put $10,000 into Google when it IPO'd, you'd be, you'd be a millionaire by now. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, you didn't know Google was Google before right. Google was Google. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. What did the word Google even mean before right. the website came out? Yeah. You know? Even in the 1980s, when I got into the business, the, the, whole, I, the whole legend of Buffett was still... It was still percolating. It wasn't quite there yet. And uh, every once in a while, the, I'd see an article or some kind of mention of Warren Buffett, and I'm like, he's pretty good. He's pretty smart, but nothing like the track record right. that he has now. Some of these ideas really had to take root, and they really had to grow. And so, uh, you know, I hate to keep going back to these really basic analogies, but they work. 
you know, if you planted a bush in your backyard, you wouldn't rip it up after three months or four months or even six months to see how the roots are taking. Right. You wouldn't rip it out to see how it's growing. Yeah. You just got to leave it. Yep. It's either going to die or it's or it's going to work. Yeah. You just got to give it time to, to do its thing. Yeah. I think the Philadelphia 76ers say trust the process. Trust the process. Joel Embiid says yeah. that. So kind of the same way Joel Embiid says that. You, Warren Buffett. Trust the process. He's got a process. We've got a process. These yeah. things do work. They all seem to work over time, but you got to stick with one process. Yeah. Kind of segueing nicely into having, you know, long-term plans. There was another article in Forbes talking about two ways, two most powerful ways to stay mentally sharp in retirement. Spoiler alert, the two ways to stay mentally sharp are exercise and to volunteer. And the author was saying how it's good starting points for a long-term wellness plan. And I figured if you have a long-term wellness plan, you should probably also have a long-term financial plan. And those things should work well together. They really should. But uh, I will say that part of a well-balanced financial plan does not include calling your advisor every day the market is down 400 points. Right. That's not part of the plan. That's not a long-term plan. That's your short-term freak overreaction. out, freak out plan. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think the better way would be to remember that you have a long-term plan and realize that the market being down 400 points today doesn't necessarily mean anything. Right. To your long-term wellness. If you look at what the market does over, I'm gonna short circuit myself and say, if you look at what the market does over two years certainly over three or four years, and look at the average returns, doable. But as Brendan likes to say all the time, the returns are lumpy. Yep. They all come out, sometimes they come out all in one year, and then you have a year or two of nothing. So for all the volatility, now we're recording this November 19th, for all the volatility that we have had just in the last three or four weeks, the market bottomed October 29th. So we've now had three weeks of back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You know what the market's done in three weeks? Zero. Nothing. It's it's zero. It's exactly where it was uh, a couple of days before we hit bottom. So if you went to sleep on October 29th and woke up today, you'd be like, eh. Haven't missed much. Nothing happened. Right. But if you stared at your account every day, red, green, red, green, red, right. red, green, you right. drive yourself crazy. I think the bigger problem is that people tie their own self-value, their opinion of themselves and their circumstances by what's happening on that screen. Right. And that is the most screwed up way to live. Yeah. You're never going to feel good about that. I mean, there are, that's putting your self-worth and how you feel about yourself on variables that you can't control. There are so many other things in life and in finance that you can control to make yourself, you know, have a higher self-esteem or self-worth or, you know, feel good about yourself, you know, keep the control in 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 your hands. Don't put it in things that you can't control because you can't control what the stock market's going to do. You can control how you react to it. You can control how much emphasis you put on it. Put yourself in a better situation to not have to rely on whether the Dow Jones was up was red or green today. I, I was going to say it's a human thing that we tend to extrapolate, but I also think it's it's an American thing. 
right. in the sense that as Americans, we tend to jump to the seventh possible outcome of this, and it's going to be bad. Right. We always think it's going to be a bad in, uh, outcome. Yeah. So uh, I can remember, you know, it's funny because I, I, it's so easy to, to talk about Trump when we talk about things like this, mm-hmm. like how, oh, this is just going to end badly. But I remember vividly now, you know, 35 years later, everyone's lauding Ronald Reagan as the greatest thing since sliced bread. But there were plenty, I mean, plenty of people who were rioting in the streets and saying they're going to they're going to start a war with Russia the minute he gets sworn into office. And people were convinced of this, that we were going to war. Don't don't sign up for the draft. You know, it was voluntary. Yeah. Uh, don't sign up for the draft. Now they don't even have it. But don't sign up for the draft because you, you actually, your number could get called up. Right. You know, I was 17 in 1979 when he was running, and my dad was flipping out that I had signed up for selective service. Yeah, it's funny how, you know, things tend to repeat themselves like that and people get worked up a lot of times for for nothing. For no good reason. Yeah. I feel like in a lot of aspects of life, Americans are just very exaggerated versions of what's actually going on. Yeah. And just make a bigger deal about little things in terms of the market, you know, whether it was up or down 500 points today, it doesn't, you're not going to remember that. No. 10 years from now. You're not no. even going to remember that a month from now. Right. So, um, there's a, I have to find it for the next podcast, but there's a, a very famous line from Thomas Jefferson about all the sleep I've lost worrying about all these things that never happened. With that in mind, I wish all of our listeners a very merry Thanksgiving. Yeah. So that's going to wrap up episode 233 of the Maluli Asset Management Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>